Hello and welcome to Reasonably Fit. We're Jason and Lauren Pack, and this is a podcast for anyone who wants a more thoughtful and grounded approach to health and fitness. Our guest joining us today is Adriel Mays. AKA Every Goddamn Dre. He actually said he doesn't like to go by Adriel, but that is the name on his Instagram handle. So <laughs> it took me a second to get out of calling him Adriel. He prefers to go by Dre. Yes. Dre is a former college athlete. He has a bachelor's degree in exercise science, and he's been working as a personal trainer in the Boston area for the last eight plus years. He puts a really unique spin on kettlebell training with a heavy focus on unilateral movements, rotational lifts, and multiplanar work. In today's episode, we cover his training methodology, some of our thoughts on the fitness industry as it stands today, and how kettlebells can be a valuable tool for everyone from very beginner lifters to highly advanced athletes. This collaboration was a long time in the making, and we think you're going to absolutely love this interview with Dre, so let's get into it. All right, we are here with every goddamn Dre himself, Adriel Mays. Welcome to the show. First thing I want to do is get people to put some respect on your name. Senior year, Great Bridge High School, <laughs> finished with 2,092 rushing yards and 27 total touchdowns. Then goes on to Merrimack College, ranks fourth in the Northeastern 10 Conference not, with nine touchdowns in 2015, averaging four yards per carry. You that, look that up. That's legit. <laughs> I actually watched some highlights last night just oh, to get prepped for the interview. And I looked at the stats. I was like, 2,092 rushing yards and 27 touchdowns is ridiculous. I'm assuming those are all school records. Um, Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I don't even remember. I The rushing was. Yeah, I have like the... The area record, like the regional record. For oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That makes sense. Touchdowns, I don't remember. I don't... I'm thinking... 27. We had a quarterback that would throw a lot of touchdowns. Rushing touchdowns, I'm sure. Yeah, but yeah. overall touchdowns, probably not. Now, did you get your start in fitness because of football? Like, how yeah, did that happen? Yeah, because of football. I mean, when I was playing, I wasn't as into lifting. Okay, yeah. Because I was just naturally gifted at the sport, so yeah. I didn't really need to, like, train. So, and lifting didn't really interest me. It was like, what's the point? Yeah, yeah. As I got into college and everyone started to be as athletic, as fast, <laughs> you had to kind of, like, how can I step my game up? And like lifting was that for me. But I also wanted to have that edge for myself. I guess it kind of gave me more confidence. Mm -hmm. And I saw how like, because again, do I think I still would have been good without it? Yeah. yeah. But it was like something with me because everybody was equal. Like in high school, it was like my backup had no chance of taking my spot. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. In college, like I could very well lose my spot. People are chopping at the <laughs> At any moment. Yeah, so it yeah. was like you needed to be have an edge at some way. So like lifting was that for me, like training, regardless yeah. of what it was. I was willing to do X, Y, and Z to make sure I was on top of my game. Did you go into school with the idea that you were going to get your degree in exercise science? Or is that something that you developed no, over time? it was just something that I developed over time more so as I started to transition to like life after football. Mm. I was like, what am I going to do <laughs> if... The pro dream doesn't work. Like, what's the next step for me? And it's like, where I'm going to... It was so easy for me to, like, turn all the passion and termination I had in football to fitness because it was yeah. so related in so many ways. So going from exercise science in college, like, being a trainer, was that the goal after that? No, I actually... I wanted to do, like, strength and conditioning because I, I love the game of football. So mm -hmm. I wanted to be around the game of football oh, okay, yeah. for, like, the foreseeable future. Yeah. So it was like... I wanted to do strength conditioning for teams. 
Gotcha. That makes sense. But then I realized once I was in college and once I was out of college, I realized what that schedule was like and like yeah. what that life was like. And I realized I didn't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I got I had already started doing one on ones and I realized how less time consuming it was and more personable. Money's probably the same. So it was like, oh, I can get more out of this. Right. And it was like, oh, I was helping people and I was training at a local gym. This is North Shore, like in Peabody. Mm-hmm. And I had clients there. So I was like, oh, I'll just keep doing this. Yeah. What was the transition like from working primarily with athletes or around athletes to working with just your kind of oh, general it's different. Pop? It's different. It's totally different. Because when you first train, all trainers, we, we have like that ideal client. You think you want to work with somebody. Oh, they're just as fit as you. They're yeah. like, yeah, they yeah. can do everything you do because it's easy to you. It doesn't <laughs> challenge you to learn more methods or learn other ways, that's different styles of training because right. they do everything you do. Yeah. And that's what you wanted. But when you go to these gyms, you find that these people are nothing like you. <laughs> and they have different needs. They have different ability. Their limitations are every, they're just different. Yeah. So it forces you to learn more ways and adapt your training skills, which is good in the training issue. But as a trainer, you don't know that. Yeah, yeah. totally. I remember when we first started, we were like, at least for me, I was like, I want to train athletes. I want to train celebrities. Like, I want to do this. I want to be featured in magazines and blah, blah, blah. And then, like, when you actually get into it on a daily basis and you start connecting with, like, these parents or these, like, people that uh, just work at corporations and whatnot, you just, like, connect with them on a much deeper level than you ever really probably could with a celebrity or a uh, – you're, like, you're like the relationship is so much stronger than just being, like, an employee of a celebrity or an athlete and whatnot. Yeah. And 100%. Just, like, and you realize, like, there's – I don't want to say it. that sounds kind of bad, but there's more to these people. Yeah. yeah. Like then those people that fitness or their sport may be their life. So everything is visible. What's to them. When you meet these people, you learn about their family, their mm-hmm. lifestyle, like how they got to where they are. It just seems like there's more to them and they're more into the training than those people are. Yeah. Because that may be something they have to do or maybe something that they do for their sport. It's not something they commit to for long term. Yeah. So you find that those people that are more athletic, more, they don't commit as long as those people, like the people, like the corporate people you get or the older clients you get, yeah. if you have for years and like, and it's just, it's more a relationship that you can build and like almost become like a part of their family. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I remember I was a gymnast growing up. And so I, my early workouts that I was giving people were just like what I would do myself. And so I'm like thinking everyone can do like 30 minutes straight of abs and thinking that that's just like a normal thing that people can do. And then of course you come across somebody who's like just had a kid and all these things. And they're like, I can't even lift my shoulders off the ground. Like let's back it up a little bit. And it really is such a great teaching moment. Yeah. In my early stages, everything was what I was doing because that's all I knew Yeah. until I had, I ran into people that couldn't do what I was doing. So I had to figure out alternate ways. So it was like, and even then I wasn't, I don't think I was well equipped with the tools to get the knowledge that I needed to be able to train those people. So feel bad, but those people didn't get the proper training they're supposed to get. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Cause I just, I just lacked in those areas. So, but there's, it was also not around me. Like there was no trainers I could learn from. Mm. It was just a smaller gym. It's just, it wasn't enough information that was, tangible to me so i just like missed out so those there's some people that i was able to help but a lot of people i couldn't help yeah. to my full potential because i didn't know how well yeah. and you we were just talking earlier on and you were saying that you've had people with you for a really long time and i think that's always a testament to who you are as a person not who you are as a trainer because 
yeah, we think about some of the early clients we had that stuck with us and we were giving them terrible workouts. Like they were not good because we didn't know what we were doing, but we connected with them on a personal level and that I'm assuming that's what happened with you as well, where they trust you enough that you're, they know that you're going to do what you can for them and you're going to learn more for them. And they see that happening and they see you evolving and they appreciate that so much more than you're just a know-it-all guy. Exactly. Because the problem with knowing it all is you don't always know it all and (laughs) there comes a time when you need to know it all. (laughs) And that's the whole point. Like I, you ask my clients that have been with me years, they probably can tell you how my education has changed along the way because their training changed along the way. So it's like, oh, my clients make jokes. They always can tell when I've done like a course recently or something. (laughs) They're like, oh, you you went to a course or something. You're doing a lot of new stuff. Like, Where is this coming from? Now, you went from the training place in Peabody to, did you go directly to Equinox after that? Like, where was that switch? I went directly to Equinox after that. What made you go from, because like being a trainer, like developing your base is like, a huge deal and you want to try to build that base cultivate that base going from one gym to now going to equinox like i'm assuming you had to almost abandon that entire base that you had built built up over time oh i did yeah i did i completely had to stop training everyone i was training there yeah and i knew that i knew that going into it but equinox offered an education piece that i couldn't get there mm-hmm. mm. and mm. i knew that's what i was going to need if i wanted to continue to further grow in the training industry so yeah. i had to make that step Equinox does have this like image about them, but they do a really good job with education, right? They've yeah, got they like do. their tiered trainer system and all that based upon education. Like it's one of the few places where I feel like education is worth more there than just like being there the longest, like tenured there the longest, I feel like. hundred percent. And I mean, and that's the good thing about it because they, it's the good and the bad thing about it because mm. yes, they have education, but in actuality, I think they're just trying to create their idea trainers. So you don't get like a lot of personal, like it's most trainers keep like their own qualities and what makes them a good trainer. But the education is kind of to teach you their way of Mm. doing things. Yeah. Which, we, we see that with um, any really any personal trainer certification. People were, will always ask us, like, what's better, NASM or ACSM or all that? And we're like, it doesn't really matter. They're going to try to teach you their way. But then you really need to go further yeah. to figure out what you actually want to do and then how you can actually help the people that you're working with. A hundred percent. And I think I, the biggest thing with them is the image they keep up is like being the type of gym they are. They need to make sure you know how to service the members they have because yeah. they have high quality members so they can't have you mm. offering below tier services right. to people that you're asking to pay insane amount of prices yeah. so yeah. it's like you have to meet that so i get it the education thing is brilliant when it comes to that piece but it's not brilliant in the sense of if you buy we call it drinking the kool-aid if you drink too much into it yeah is you don't you don't have your own thing it's not it's not you it's like you're just doing what the system i've, I've actually never heard it Put that way in terms of like yeah they're basically funneling these trainers into like a very specific narrow box and people outside the box like i'm sure some of the stuff that you were doing probably didn't really fit into what they were promoting in terms of their education oh uh, probably not but i took some things from what i've learned because there's still a lot of good stuff but there's yeah. still stuff that i that i think is good that i wanted to do that was probably outside of the normal but yeah. and that's the thing though if you're successful with it nobody bothers you yeah, yeah. But if true. there's no success, then they want to control more so what are you doing? Mm. And they're more involved. It's like, why aren't you having the success now? You need to do this better, do that better. But if you're having success with it, 
you kind of can do what you wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> did you have, did you get any of those talks like early on in the beginning? Early on. Yeah. But I mean, it was, I feel like it was valid. My programming was like trash at that point <laughs> because I didn't, I only knew how to program for me. Yeah. So yeah. like I kind of try to relate that to clientele and it just didn't relate. So yeah. when them and the way they've been taught and the way they've learned now that they teach look at the way I've been doing it. It's like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> and my boss at the time was just still a good friend of mine now. She was telling me like, oh, this is horrible. Like your program is garbage. I was like, <laughs> and, it, and it was. When I look back at that stuff now, I was like, it was a good workout. But when you're talking about like progressing movements and like what's next, it's like there was no, like I didn't understand the regression progression thing. Yeah, yeah, Like yeah. I didn't understand how to regress someone or progress someone. So it was like my program was a deadlift. It was a barbell deadlift. That's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it like, there was no way to like get this person to the next step or like this person has limitations. I didn't know how to help them. So it was valid mm-hmm. at that point. Like I needed to hear that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Now, did you go from Peabody to Seaport? Was that the next step? Yeah, that was the okay, next step. Okay. It was my point of moving to the city to be more available. If I live in the city, I can start at six, I can end at eight. Right. And I only have to walk 10 minutes to go home or take the dog out in between the day when I have time. So it was like, how do I become more available and like really ramp my business up? It was like moving the city. Yeah. It's a risk in the beginning because you're not making as much money, but the best type of trainer is the available trainer. Yeah. You're not, there's so many people that aren't willing to make that commitment as far as like, I'm available all day. Yeah. yeah. Monday through Sunday, yeah. I'm available all day. I have open slots. But that's how you grow. You that's how you become a good trainer. Like you're available, yeah. and like even now to this day, like I'm very, I don't like traveling because it gets me out of routine. But it also gets my clients out of routine. Yeah, and you realize that when you travel, you go away, coming back, they're like slow to get back in the rhythm because right. you've been out of the rhythm. Yep. And then you, when you're working for a company, if you're not working, you're not getting paid. Right. Yep. So like you're not getting no sessions now because you've been gone. So I was like, I wouldn't go away. Yeah. My first three years there, I didn't go nowhere. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was pretty much with us, too. It's like, yeah. if we were going to go anywhere, it was because, like, there was a workshop or something. It was always tied to work because you're like, oh, if I go and work and go away somewhere to work, then, you know, my clients miss out on the sessions. I can't train. Obviously, trainers don't get any PTO or no. vacation benefits and stuff like that. So it was like, you just end up just kind of either staying home or just doing some continued continue education here and there. Yeah. Exactly. And I, I, would, I wouldn't even do workshops at that point because they would make you miss out on being yeah. ready for work and i was just like eh, i'm not gonna do it like i'll i'll figure that piece out later right. i just want to build my schedule up and get the clientele yeah and then i can do that it's so underrated we were talking about this before it's so underrated what trainers have to do in terms of managing their schedule alone yeah. it's like you need a full-time person managing your schedule because you're constantly like scheduling we rescheduling canceling and selling a package it's like it's non-stop it's a lot and you like mix some stuff you don't reschedule on your schedule you like oh we just do tomorrow six and you tomorrow six come you forget about it yeah 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, happens so many times like you'd be somewhere you're like am i supposed to be training right now yeah it's like a constant state of panic like under the the time you're like the worst is a double book you're like the two people walk in you're like Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> and then you have to decide. Decide, like, yeah. And I, for me, I was like, right, who needs it the most? <laughs> I wouldn't tell them this, but I, I know based on working with people who's more flexible with their schedule, like who can wait to the next hour, or if I had the next hour more available. Yeah, I knew by so I can always tell this person. But I've double booked so many times, so many, so many over the years. Now it seems like there was a certain point in your training where you had like some pretty big like paradigm shifts in your thought process and kind of moved from 
like the bro lifts like you were talking about to more, I guess, functional training, I guess, with kettlebells and things like that. When did that transition take place? Um, I don't know officially, I, but I'm sure it was through adapting some of the Equinox ways when I first was there. Because mm-hmm. they, they, although they didn't teach me like the kettlebell stuff that I do, it's more so they teach me how to uh, address certain people with like different limitations. Mm-hmm. So you got to find ways for these people to move, but still make it effective. Yeah. And not have them. My biggest thing was like, I didn't want people to leave a session feeling like they didn't get better, mm-hmm. per se. And it's hard when you're in that training world and having people to go through a full like correction day or like just trying to help them with their movement better. Cause it's like they come with you, come to you for weight loss goals and you tell them like, well, you don't move well enough for me to get you to the things you need to do. So yeah. we have to do this and this and this. And it's like, I know nobody want to hear that. Cause I don't want to hear it. <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not showing up for a session and we, and you, I'm not sweating or anything. And I have weight loss clothes. It's like, it's not going to work. So it's yeah. like, I had to start finding ways to like figure out and how to implement that stuff and still make them feel like they worked out. I love that. That's so awesome because it's like you have to take into account why they're coming to see you in the first place. And so it's like give them what they want and give them what they need. And you figured out how to bridge that gap. Exactly. Because so many trainers you get in your ways of doing things, you start thinking, yes, you do know what they need, but remember what they're paying you for. (laughs) It's like, don't forget like that they still pay you and they came to you for a reason. So although you know you have to fix X, Y, and Z, make sure you're still giving them something that they can take with them. Because as much as you preach them to the mobility and like the functionals, they don't care, nor do they are interested in like learning more about it. They just want to know, are you helping them lose weight or are they getting stronger? But that's why it's great when you get those clients that don't have any goals. They just want to move better. Mm. So you can do all that stuff and explain it to them and they understand it. But it's far and few when you're in the training. There's more people you get. They like got a wedding coming up. So you have time to spend six or eight weeks on them trying to correct a behavior or trying to like fix a limitation. Because, yes, that needs to be addressed. But they also need to lose weight because that's what they want. Yeah, yeah. Have you found that a lot of people will come in with those goals and you they'll stick with you because you are giving them what they want, but then eventually they start to come around to like, actually, moving better is what I want to do. Like, actually, I don't really care as much about weight loss anymore. I actually just want to be able to go run around and play sports with my kids or whatever it is. Like, do you find that transition happens a lot? A lot. And it's more of it happening now because they see that both is doable without them even knowing it. Because it's like, it's good to do it without them knowing it. Because if I have to constantly tell you that we're doing this for this reason, it's because you're wondering why you're spending this money and you're not getting what you're supposed (laughs) to So it's like, yeah, I mean, don't get into the, and you see it a lot with trainers, it's like thinking you know what's best for them. Like you do, but remember, like, again, they still want you to do this for them. So don't start trying to be... The dictator of their life. Like, don't do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Put, like, your own agenda. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And that's the problem with us trainers because we do know and they, they're paying us for our knowledge in it. But, like, don't go too far with it, though. It's like, yeah. just just be a trainer. Yeah. Well, I think that's a beautiful... That's why it's so beautiful when that happens because you're like, I didn't try to force you to care about mobility. I didn't, like, try to shove this down your throat. You just started to care because you started to feel it happening in your body. Exactly. Yeah, and when they're, like... And when they've convinced themselves, it's like there's so much more bought in. There's so much more like with each drill, they're going to be more locked in instead of being like, 
I'll do this, I guess, just to, you know, appease my trainer uh, and whatnot. Yeah. And that's why I, I, I cheat my clients almost. They're like, I put it into stuff that we're doing. They don't even know they're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> they don't know why, like, we're doing something on their toes. It's like, I'm addressing things they don't even have no clue about. And things are getting better. And it's like, oh, I've been, I was like, yeah, I know. Like, I'm, <laughs> because we've been doing it. I just, if you tell them, then it's like, oh, it's a big deal. It's like, I'm not, yeah. just, I'll just keep it out and we'll just implement it along the way. And, you'll realize it down the road that we've been working on that for the like slow weeks. play. I love yeah. it. <laughs> so you, it seems like came up with a lot of, I guess like almost like variations on like corrective based drills, but using kettlebells, using strength and all that to basically take care of that for you rather than just like laying on the ground and doing a couple stretches, doing some foam rolling and stuff like that. Yeah. So pretty much loaded mobility in a sense. It's just like anything else. It's just what it, came to training i didn't want to be like to overcomplicate it for people mm -hmm. so if you have those moments when you're with clients like we get an hour with them so you would see when i used to work at gyms people would spend like 10 to 15 minutes on the mat and yeah. that's what they consider like the correction thing yeah, yeah. mind you we paid like 140 for this hour yeah, yeah. and you spent 15 minutes on the mat doing yeah. what yeah. <laughs> to me that just didn't make sense it's yeah. like so i got 45 minutes and you're probably five, five minutes for a cool down so we have 30, 35 minutes for a workout. Yeah. I'm not, it's not, I'm not paying an hour, $140 for that. So it's like, how do you get this point across with doing it? And that's what a lot of the loaded mobility stuff gives you because we're still strength training. Yeah. And you're still getting stronger in areas you need to get stronger, but you also are building mobility with it. Yeah. So it's, it's to me, it's like, I think it's way more effective long, long term, also because you're gaining mobility and you're not wasting someone's time. Yeah. So if we show up where your client for that day and we show up, what's like, what are the first couple things we, we would do? Um, it depends. It depends on what you need to work on. Like if you have something like a lot of people, I feel like everyone has foot issues. So a lot of stuff we do, I'm doing where it's isolated. We may isolate. Well, I always start from the ground up. Like we're building from your ankles. We address your uh, knees. We address, we address everything from the ground up. So whether it's like a mobility routine where we're like doing windmills, we're doing whatever we're doing, we're doing something to get you going. But it has, you have a weight in your hand, like pretty you much have right a weight. off the bat. You have a weight in your hand because yeah. to you, you're working out. Yeah. Mm. To me, I know we're doing mobility, which <laughs> <laughs> which works. It still works. And most people, the thinking piece of it and like how challenging it is for them to like the mind muscle connection is like going crazy and mm -hmm. they're sweating the bullets because it's like hard for them to like understand how to do it so they know they're working out yeah i think it's genius because like i mean i went through a heavy like corrective exercise phase where i would spend i would be the trainer spending 20 minutes doing like these little drills and blah 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 and i'd be coaching them so like intensely to get what i wanted but when you have an implement in your hand and you're doing a lot of these drills like you're forced to be present there and forced to really stabilize doing the right things just because you had load in your hand but what I was doing was all low level, low load stuff. It wasn't really sticking. And the client was probably in the back of the mind being like, yeah, I'm spending a lot of money right now in this hour. Like, why am I doing this? So I think it makes so much sense to just get them going and things will improve over the long run as well. And I think loaded mobility especially is so underrated. Like strength training done properly is actually going to increase your range of motion. It's going to increase your stability in all these end ranges of motion. And I think that's so under uh, undervalued. And it is because, I mean, at the end of the day is 
the reason why we consider someone limited is because they can't do a movement we feel they should be able to do, whether it's a deadlift, lunge, or whatever. So why not just take a regression of that mm-hmm. and have them do that with the weight and load it and kind of kind of like force the range of motion through it. But it but it builds, and not only that, you're getting them to be able to do that movement at some point. Yeah. So the the like the static stuff and like the on the floor, it you still have to train the motion after that. Yeah. Yeah. So why not just train the motion? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, and that's how they used to teach it to it. They're like, so you do this corrective stuff with them first. Now you train it. I was like, so we mm. waste 15 minutes doing this, <laughs> and we try to train it for 30 minutes, yeah. and we only see them twice a week. Um, it'll get better nine months. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, come on. Like, be realistic. You're likely not to have this client that long. Right. So it's like, you're not going to ever meet that longevity goal that you set for them. Yeah, yeah. So how do you kind of get that sooner? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the tenants of, like, a lot of the different certifications we, we uh, went through are, like test and retest and so we test something do the drill retest it and it's like okay worked it right in that moment so let's go ahead and train it to lock it in but it's like the next day they're coming in with the same limitations because they're at their desk job they're doing the same repetitive motions over and over again so it's like yeah you really need that load and mobility like maximize that time in that session to get the load and mobility to really truly lock in those gains and yeah maximize that effect and the biggest thing you find is not everybody is regressed as you think they are. Mm. And not it doesn't take everyone as long to progress as you think it it does as well. So like a lot of times people set these programs for people and they're like, uh, like you you you've trained people, so you watch someone do a lunge like day one. Mm-hmm. And rea- so now you from what we used to do for training wise, we would set a program to be able to get them to do that lunch within four to eight weeks. Next week come, they're already able to do lunch. Yeah, yeah. So what you, it's trainers, they get like, what do I do now? Yeah. Like, what do I do? They're like, do I progress them? Oh, yes, progress them. Like, what do you mean? Why not progress them? Why are you trying to tag them along because you want to like, oh, let's work this more. Let's work this more. Why? Mm-hmm. They can lunch now. Yeah. They get a little more stability. They're a little stronger in their legs now. They can hold the position. They can lunch. Let them lunch. Like, yeah. don't try to drag it out long. And that's why I get frustrated with trainers when they're like, variety is not a thing. Well, and the good thing about, and the reason why we're trained is because we have the ability to progress and regress movements. And with when we do with our own workouts, based on if we're not feeling that great that day, we'll regress a movement quick. Yeah. Or we'll progress a movement. We're feeling like energized. But we don't want these people to do it. So we like set things up for them to lunge in that way for eight weeks yeah, and yeah. think that they're going to do it for eight weeks. Yeah. yeah, It's not happening. They're going to stop after like two or three weeks because they're going to be bored. Right. Because now it's easy to them after week two and it's like, oh, this is easy. Yeah. And they've been loading it and they don't think like we don't. They don't have strength training goals. goals so it's not like I want to keep adding load. It's like, all right, what's next? Like I want to do something different. Yeah. <laughs> like what's next? Yeah. Like how do, like what's next? Like I and that's why I think it, it's interesting to me when I like look into the Instagram or whatever and like how people design their page and how people like offer different services because like they always get upset that people likes like the advanced stuff. Because I need to, if you're going to have me do a lunge or like a split squat for 12 weeks, I need to know what that's going to get me. Like at some point, do I develop a like supernatural ability <laughs> or like do I become more skilled at a certain movement that I can do something that's like advanced now? Mm. Otherwise, it's like, why am I doing it? Like, yeah. at what point do I 
be able to progress or be more advanced than to just loading it. Yeah. And yeah. like, why not? Like, why not show me that? Because that may mo- motivate me to see, like, oh, if I can, now this is why I should keep doing it this way because I want to be able to do that next movement. I think yeah. you do a really great job of showing the really advanced stuff that you can do, but but not pretending that that's all you do. Yeah. Like, I think that you do a really great job of that. I think that there is there are definitely accounts that only show the cool stuff and never show the just, like, grind and hard work of building strength and improving your mobility that you've done over the course of years at this point. And so you do, you show a goblet squat, and then you show, you know, something what? really cool. And so you, you don't say, like, I only do these fancy tricks. It's like I use these really kind of, like, like classic lifts, but I load it really heavy. And then I'm strong enough and I'm mobile enough to go on and do these pretty cool things. And what you find is is not everyone in the world or anywhere is as regress or as novice as we think they are. There's yeah. people that move better than me. So when I show them something they haven't seen and it's advanced and they can do it, they're like, they're excited. They're ecstatic about it. So it's like, yeah, there's people out there like that. So it's like, why do you think that since you're a trainer, nobody else can move as well as you. Nobody can. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I can't post advanced stuff because nobody can do it. Right. No, there's other people out there. There's people that are trainers or not trainers that can benefit from seeing that progression because they've been doing a regression of that movement and they've been wondering what's next for months. Yeah. So now you post something that shows them like, oh, this is a little more advanced. And they have the ability because they've done proper steps before. And now they have the ability to advance that and get more skill, more ability, yeah. and whatever. Now, when people first come into your space and you're like, you know, as a trainer, like as soon as you get someone that signed up for sessions and they're like coming in day one, you're like, you're basically watching how they come in through the door. You're watching them, how they like even write their name and just like little things you're looking out for. Like, how can you tell, unless you do like an actual formal assessment, how can you tell like if someone needs a little more ankle mobility or T-spine mobility or hip mobility? Like, or do you have like a general, like almost like gauntlet of exercises that you kind of like put people through as kind of like your baseline assessment slash first workout? Well, I feel like if you do it long enough, like we've been training long enough, like I can look at the way someone walked towards me and I can tell already the movement quality they have, if they're going to be like strong throughout different ranges of motions, like you can tell. Yeah. Just from being in the industry long enough, you can watch someone walk to you because there's there's a certain look like some people they're like firm in their body mm. so like they feel present and you see those people that look like they have no control of their body mm. like they're just walking like their foot going this way it's like you already can tell like oh, this is gonna be like someone that needs to really build some strength because they don't look like they're controlling their body but there's some people that walk towards you and they like firm so mm. then you may oh this person may be tight but there is a Brains of exercises that I put people through and I see how they're able to do this, those things and I can tell from there. Now, when we first got into the industry, that was like around 2007, 2011, we got our first kettlebell certification. And ever since that kettlebell certification, um, or for at least like 10 years after that, we were assisting workshops, we were teaching workshops, we eventually became like a lead instructor as part of that organization. Mm-hmm. And it's just funny, like talking about it now because it kind of sounds like a cult, basically. <laughs> but after ten years, like basically, what we narrowed our like stance on was like kettlebell training was limited to six moves, basically. It's like just this, these six very basic moves, and it was so 
restricting. Like you had to do them a certain way, very strict set of standards and, you know, X, Y, and Z. And then like we come across your page, it's so free. There aren't any limitations. There's no restrictions. Like do it if it feels good. And it's like just so many different varieties of planes of motion. And it's so athletic and free and smooth. Whereas the things that we were doing before were just like so like almost like militaristic where it's yeah. like so rigid and stiff and all that. And so it was really cool when we first stumbled upon your page, like, oh, this is some next level kettlebell training. It's not like do a kettlebell into a burpee, into a pushup. Like, yeah, that's it's not it's random. Like, yeah, <laughs> I was like, this is very methodical and he's using enormous weights. So he's using progressive <laughs> overload, like all the principles are there. It's just very different from what we've ever experienced. I know you, you don't have a kettlebell certification, uh, based upon the Mark Bell podcast, was that a conscious decision? Cause you don't want to be like put into a box or like, how did that come about basically? Um, Cause I, I kind of, as I got into it, I obviously I looked into them and I kind of seen what they were about and I've kind of like chatted with people in them. I kind of realized it wasn't something that I was going to walk away with more knowledge from, mm. like from a standpoint of coaching and like cueing. Yes. But like overall, like I didn't think I would take away a new concept that I needed because mm-hmm. I've already been training. So like I know how to be a trainer. Like I know how to coach and how to approach something if I can do it or if they can do it or, or not approach it. But a lot of them, like you said, they're like, they're so rigid and which I get because a kettlebell can be dangerous for people as well. So you should be able to drill and like really line those movements up. But once you are, you have to have something for people to do afterwards. Mm. So it's like, all right, we've been working these six movements for 20 years. <laughs> it's like, what's next? Yeah. It's like, what's next? So I, I, that's why I didn't take interest in it because the way they are and the, how, I want to say stubborn, they're not really open to what I do. Mm. So it was going to be like me being there would have been like, useless yeah yeah <laughs> and I, I think i probably would have got more upset than anything because i don't, i'm like very open-minded when it comes to anything mm-hmm. so like when they shut down certain ways of doing things i'm just like what that's exactly right <laughs> i think that it does it feels it felt very close-minded and like even we definitely fell into that that thinking for a little while in terms of kettlebells and it's funny because we didn't have that with strength training necessarily in general like we we liked exploring different movement patterns and we wanted to train in all different directions and everything like that but then when it was kettlebells it was like swing snatch clean (laughs) squat turkish get up that's it (laughs) and we were just like why do we not actually believe that you can do anything else with a kettlebell like i for me it was so it was always about just the only thing to do was go heavier and i remember i got up to a 36 kg get up and I was like watching the video, my elbows like dislocating. Like every, I'm like, I'm not built to do that. But it was the only way that I could consider progressing because I couldn't do something different or mm. like it was like I only have the get up. So I guess I'll just go heavier until my arm breaks. Well, you think about the reasons why we, well, myself, why I got away from the barbell stuff because it was the same stuff. So you think I'm going to pick up a kettlebell and you're going to limit me to six movements? Mm. It's not happening. Like yeah. I'm trying to explore more ways to move my bodies, not six ways. So it's yeah. like, I could have did that with the barbell. Yeah. Like, yeah. So why create these same rules for something that you could do so much more with? Yeah. And it's because it's what you've learned, and what you've know, and that's where your knowledge and the buck stops there. So just say that. Mm-hmm. Don't say this is the way, the, the only, only way. way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. it's wrong. It's like, there's so many more ways. Just 
and like you see those like uh you ever see like the people that juggle and like the yeah. throw anything someone else can do that I can't do I consider it a skill. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's dumb because if they can do it and they can execute it safely, they've learned how to do it. Like it's it's a skill. Right. Do you need the skill? No, but <laughs> to have a skill someone else have is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, in America in many ways people become rich because they have skills that other people don't have. So it's like <laughs> Why do we consider this something to like shut out? Mm. Because we can't do it. Yeah, I love that point. And it's and it's the same way with like certain movements I do. It's like you don't have this ability to move this way because whatever reason you may have not trained as long as me, you may not be as strong as me, you may not be as mobile. Whatever it is, I'm maybe just more skilled in that department. So just say that. Don't <laughs> say what I'm doing is stupid or it's right. not because it's beneficial. Because thousands of people have benefited from my programs and anything that I produce because they may have had same limitations as me and now they don't. So it's like, don't say it's not beneficial. Just say you don't know how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> just just say that. We talk about this a lot where it's like so many trainers, so many different organizations, they're always like, just like down talking to every other organization. It's like, if we want, we want this industry to be continue to rise up and like, we need to like, realize that we're all on the same page we're trying to help people we're trying to help people get better like you know unlock their full potential and all that but why are we like just like talking down to each other it's well that's like, well that's what happened when you monetize something when you're trying to make profit off something you have yeah. to make it a certain way so it's only this way with you because mm. now this is why you should buy from us and not that mm. but the yeah. problem is you you get out of the rut of like just helping people right because it's i mean if it's about the money then you're doing it for the wrong reasons anyway like mm. obviously like you should be compensated if you're providing value for whatever reason. But the reason why we're all into this and the reason why we all do it is to help people. Yeah. So like, how do you, how do you define success by what you make or how many people you help? Mm. And if it's how many people you help, why are you pointing out how someone else is helping someone? Yeah. They're helping someone. That's like what we want. Like yeah. there's someone is working out. Someone's doing fitness because of this person. So they're doing what, you're doing. Yeah. You're just not getting paid for it. So you have a problem for it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so true. I mean, we will get people like we have our rise program and we'll get people being like, you know what? I'm going to cancel because I, I realized that group classes are like more for me. It's more what I like. And we would never say like, well, group classes are stupid. You're not going to get anything out of it. It's like, oh, that's awesome because you figured out what's going to help you be consistent. You figured out where you're going to actually be able to consistently spend your time and like get better we're not mad about that. Like, that's a good thing. And you tried us out. It didn't work for you, but you found something that works. That's a good thing. Exactly. And that's what everyone needs to figure out what works for them. You can't make someone be into the type of programming you do just because you keep telling them, oh, you shouldn't do this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's not going to make them think they, (laughs) it may just not work for their reality or they may not be interesting or it may be boring to them. It may, whatever it is. There's people that don't like what I do. They do other people because they want more like rigid six movements. That may be what they want and they mm-hmm. look for it. So they train with someone that looks for that. But I'm not out here on saying like, don't do this, don't do that. Yeah. Because the people that want to do it are going to do it regardless. Yeah. So why are you wasting your time trying to sway people from doing something else? Because you don't, you want to have more of a following, more of a client base. It's like, don't it's, it's useless it's like yeah. it's not what the industry is supposed to be about and it's not what it should be so like why are you pushing it to that yeah 
Mic drop. Love it. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, and it's so much of it online, it drives me crazy because yeah. you see it and it's like, you have to, I don't think, I mean, some people may do well, but I was like, if you are always, always doing stuff, I'm, I'm always thinking like, oh, you must be like struggling in this mm-hmm. industry in a sense of like, you need to get their clients and yours because it must not be working for you. Yeah. 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 But people in, people in the world, they feel it. When it's not genuine, nobody wants to work with you if they feel you're not genuine. Yeah. Definitely. You're bashing other people, then clearly the only reason why you do it is for the money. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. And it's obvious. Yeah. So it's like, why waste your time creating content about other people? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and that, it's, it's like, a, so true. it's like such a big waste in the sense of, your page and everything you do is supposed to be develop your image and to show people who you mm-hmm. are, rep- what you represent, your discipline, your dedication, and why what you would do, what you do would benefit them. And they're learning this through all of your actions, which you're showing them other people. Yeah. Or so, showing yeah. them how you react to other yeah. people by tearing them down. So yeah. it's like, uh, what am I buying from you? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm buying your negativity. I'm, buying, <laughs> I'm not supporting that. I'm not, I'm not supporting that. It's a waste, man. It's such a waste. Yeah. We, we did an episode just a few weeks back about our biggest fitness industry pet peeves. And one of them was the trend of tearing, like, pr- professionals tearing other professionals down to make a point as opposed to just offering their own unique perspective. And it's like, you do that. I've never seen you tear a single person down. I've never seen you bash a single kettlebell certification, even even though what you're doing is so different. Like, you just show what you're doing. That's it, because it's that's what my pr- product is about. It's about me. It's not, if you got time to be digging into other pages. Like, obviously, other pages come up on my timeline. But I'm not digging through what they're doing enough to even create a yeah. post about it. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's some stuff I'm interested in. I watch. There's some stuff I support. But there's I'm never that involved into something where I can create content about it. Because that's time wasted. Yeah. Completely time wasted. And if you got time to do that, you should be focused on how could you build your own brand right. and how you should build in reverence. How, what can you do that's a little more creative than bashing someone? Yeah, that takes no creativity. I can go through Instagram all day and look at stuff that I don't agree with and create content on it. Right. How's that benefit me? It does nothing. I'm nowhere further knowledge wise or growth wise than I was before. So it's like, what's the point? Yeah. yeah. Love it. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> now, speaking of building your own brand, like a lot of like from the training standpoint, a lot of the principles I'm, I'm seeing are like, rotation, mobility, loaded mobility. I'm seeing like barefoot style training, like walk us through like how you got into rotational, functional, minimalist footwear, like that whole route. Uh, it was based on a lot of stuff that was, I was struggling with. Mm-hmm. Like I, cause I feel like, like personally, I, personally, yeah, yeah. like I feel like I've always been strong and like I always, I've had like a base, but I think at some point I may have like reached like my maximum without gaining like more rotational work, more lateral, more better core strength. Like I've, people see you have like six pack. Like you're a strong core. I had <laughs> I had the weakest core. Yeah, yeah. One because I didn't know how to use it. They didn't understand how it worked, or like I didn't understand how to engage certain muscles. So like I kind of revamped my training to doing that. So I like changed everything. Mm-hmm. Like I was reading different stuff about like different mobility ways, and I was taking the knowledge I was getting from that with what I was already doing myself. And I was like, all right, I can do this this way. And I can still keep some strength training into it. 
might just loading it heavier, whatever. So I've kind of created ways. But what's weird and what's crazy is that I was always doing this stuff for my clients. Because with the type of clients I was working with was older, a lot of people more broken, people have injuries. I was already like doing this stuff for them. I just didn't do it for myself because I'm like, I don't need this stuff. I'm, <laughs> I'm advanced. Like, I don't need this. <laughs> I don't need this. And it's and it is like peeling back layers. So it's like, I don't want to like spend time building this stuff back when I'm trying to get stronger. Yeah. And it wasn't realized until I realized I can get stronger by doing this stuff. Because right. now... When I do a squat, it's not just my quads going, it's like my core is going, everything else is involved. So mm. now I'm building more. I have a more purposeful squat than I did before. It's not just my quads working. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like now I'm getting more out of it. Like I don't have, I actually don't have to train as hard because now everything's working together and not against each other. Mm. When you got limitations, you have different stuff like muscles making up for other muscles. It's everything, it's not working together. So, as you may be getting stronger on your quads, you may be lacking somewhere else that's supposed to be engaged. Yeah. So it's like, I don't have that issue as much anymore. So now my workout's way more effective. Mm. Now, how do you go about programming? Like for us, we're like, okay, squat hinge, push pull in different ranges of motion, um, locomotion, some core work, some lunging. That kind of like covers most of our bases. You have a wide variety of different like rotational based drills and stuff like that how do you program for yourself and like okay this is going to keep me balanced i guess like i can't give you too much of that it's like, <laughs> <secret> sauce. <laughs> but um in the same way like i i kind of train full body every day in a sense and it's more it's always movement focus whether it's a heavy loaded day or it's more of a hypertrophy day it's always movement focus and i'm always training so for instance for like a hinge I may deadlift one day, but when I hinge again, I may do um, unilateral movement or I may do a body weight movement. Mm -hmm. But in the course of the six days of me training, I've hinged and trained that motion or I've moved in that way five or six times. Mm -hmm. So what it is, it's more repetition at it. So you become, and it's not always like a ton of repetition or it's not always loaded, but you always train in that motion. Mm -hmm. So you have no choice to get better at it. Yeah. Whether it's a plyo, whether it's uh, some people machine, you're training that motion in this full range. So you get better at it. Yeah. And it's not fatiguing you because one day, like, so my beginning of my week, I like to train more like hypertrophy style. like So eight to 12 range. And in a week, I'll go from like five to seven. I'll Then I'll go back to the 10 to 12, but it's more body weight stuff. But it's still, I'm still training that motion, whether it's a lateral motion, whether it's a rotational motion, whether it's a push motion. But the amount of repetition I'm getting in this motion is in a week span is so much more than what it naturally is. People only work a body part one time per mm, week. Yeah. So you may get better at it, but it may take so much longer. Yeah. But if I'm doing it multiple times, like, so for me, like a lot of my clients, I'll see like three times a week or sometimes four. So if we're training these ranges of motion three times a week, they're more likely to get better at it for, unless I spend one day, one day on hinge motion and we'll do it again next week. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, why? Why not just throw something hinge worthy in their warm up on a day where they're doing like a push movement? We're still better in that movement yeah. and we're working on something that we worked on Monday, just no load, just more like getting us movement prep, getting us ready. Yeah. But we're still training that motion because- 
essentially that we want to be better at that motion. Yes. Less about the load. We want that movement to look better. So how do we make this movement better? You got to do it more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Period. Period. You got to do it more. So you can't have those, we do it this one time and we do everything related to it just Monday. Yeah. No, it's just, it's not enough because you won't do it again until that next week. And say they miss that next week and they're not, they miss a session. So now they, they miss and you have a schedule for them. So they train X, Y, and Z. Now you have to alter their schedule, how they train. So then they didn't do this motion. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. like there's more when you do it this way, there's more, more repetition through those movements, whether it's overhead, press, whatever it is, whatever motion it is, you get more repetitions at it. Yeah. yeah. And there's different ways. And you, you progress it and progress it as you need. A lot of the movements we do when they're body weight, obviously they regress, mm-hmm. but they're helping other movements get better yeah you know our industry right now is like push pull body part splits upper day lower day we actually also subscribe to the same total body approach as well because we kind of we agree with the same approach like more the more repetition the better and it's like people will say like oh how can you possibly recover from a total body day it's like well not every day is like hard on everything you yeah. just have different emphases and that you can cycle between so it's like total body makes so much sense especially like coming from at, from like us as trainers it's like you have someone that's going to work out two to three times a week it's like why are we splitting up the body like that yeah. like just like you just said like we're going to do something one day and then we won't experience it until the following week it doesn't make sense and so it's like this line of thinking where you have to do the body part splits and these different sort of splits are for people that are doing like five to six days a week of training for a very specific goal. But for the vast majority of people, it's like total body makes the most sense. It's the most bang for your buck, most efficient use of your time. Well, that's where you start to get into more of like who or what you're programming. Like who is it for? Is it for you mm. or other trainers? Or are you trying to help like the gym pop? Yeah. Because ideally, like nobody has time. Nobody has the commitment to train the five to six, to seven days a week. Yeah. So ideally, most people get three days yeah yep. and if you want that training program to be well-rounded it has to be full body it has to yeah. Be, yeah it has to be especially if they have like true goals that they want to meet as far as like it has to be mm-hmm. and it allows the longevity of like training you're never overloading something too much like mm-hmm. there's some people where they get into a point of like they want to like build true muscle in certain areas and you still can have that same approach. You just may add a couple more exercises in that movement and load it more mm. to kind of build that muscle. So it's, it's so simple. Like I do a lower pull, upper push type full body. So while it's full body, it still follows like a method of it. So like I'll do lower pull, upper push. Mm-hmm. And then the next day I'll do lower push, upper pull. Yep. Right. Yeah. Yep. But in those training methods, there's lateral movement. And rotation for upper and lower body. Yeah. Isolation. There's loaded like carries. All of that fits into those two days. Well, and I imagine you would feel very restricted in your programming if like I think part of your ability to be so creative with the movements that you're doing is because you're allowing yourself to do total body workouts. Exactly. If you were like, I can only do lower body today, then you're not combining a lateral lunge and a clean mm. or like whatever. You're not combining things because you're like so restricted by this is a lower body day. This is an upper body day. And exactly. And if there's say there's for me personally, there's three days where I'm training hinge. My two days, say the two days I've gotten my deadlift i've gotten my rdls i've gotten my i've gotten that stuff out of the way 
now like I still want to train that motion and still be effective. So that's where those other movements come in at. Mm. So some people they see them, they're like, oh, they're 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 not as they're not superior to the other movements or whatever. Those movements are better. I was like, yeah, but I've already done them this week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I still want to train this motion this again this week, whether it's body part or not, but or it's kettlebells, or I want to do explosive work, but I want to train that motion. So I can do this other movement. I'm not missing out on what you consider the basis and what you consider important. I'm still doing those. Yeah. Like I'm becoming great at those. Yeah. But I'm also doing this because I'm still training that motion. But I'm also testing how much more balance I have, how much more stability I've gained over time. I'm training that as well. So it's mm-hmm. like, why can't I? Yeah. Love it. I, lo- I love it. It's like we have a lot of similar parallels in our programming because we're like, we'll do, um, we'll do some explosive work. We'll do some powerlifting, we'll do some kettlebells, we'll do some lateral type work, rotation type work, but then we'll also do some bro lifts and we'll also do like bicep curls and tricep extensions and all that. It's like, we're not married to any one methodology or ideology. It's just like, just follow simple scientific training principles and you can get as creative as you want within that. So it's like, people are like, no, I'm a bodybuilding guy. I'm a powerlifting guy. I'm a kettlebell guy. It's like, no, use everything. Everything works really great. It's like, as long as you know how to put it together. Exactly. And every and it works together and that's what it's supposed to be. Like you're supposed to be able to train barbell, kettlebell and all this stuff together. Mm. Otherwise it's like why did they create it? It could have just <laughs> kept one it could have just kept one piece of equipment and say, use this, everybody yeah. use this. Yeah. You can't use this, figure out how you can use this. Yeah. Then it would just stop there. So it makes no sense. I like when I go back to barbell training because I like how much stronger I am. Mm. It's so much easier to be under and on top of the bar when you haven't been there in a while. Yeah. But you've still been getting stronger in that range of motion. You've still been getting stronger at those movements. So when you go back and you get to see how much stronger you got without constantly... Because regardless of what people think, once you tra- you train that way and in that position with a deadlift, a squat, with the bar on your spine, you become tight because lifts requires you to tense up. Yeah. So if you're doing that three or four times, your body's used to tensing and all that. I don't like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't like the feeling of it. I'm, so yeah. when I do it the one times a week, I don't feel that. Yeah. And I still feel great because I get to load it up and the movement looks great. My deadlifts look great. It's like no problem. Yeah. Do you still have any, like I'm sure as with a football background, like there's there's always an emphasis on numbers, like how much you bench, how much you squat, how much you deadlift. Do you still have any, um, do you care at all anymore no, about your numbers? I don't care. Well, he doesn't care because his numbers are ridiculous. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so that's what it is. You allow your, once you're, I don't even want to say that because once you get to a certain point, it just doesn't matter. Yeah. But I also know with the way I train, I'll never like lose. Like I barely ever bench press. I will always be able to bench over like 365 right. <laughs> without ever bench pressing. Yeah. I barely ever deadlift. I'll always be able to deadlift a little bit. Below 500 or 500 or more. Yeah, yeah. I'll always be able to squat over 500. And I don't do it that much. Just because I train the motion and I load those motions, I can do it. Mm-hmm. So I'm fine with that. I think you get to a point, though. Not everybody gets to that point because not everybody gets that strong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they get to a point where it doesn't matter anymore because, one, they starting to realize like the risk-reward. Like You have to give up a lot of like mobility, different ways of training, you just it's feel just, hurt and like banged hurt. up all yeah. the time. Yeah. yeah, and when you're chasing those numbers like that, you're not you're not too concerned about where you, the way you're eating because you want to be bigger because you want to mm. be stronger. 
Yeah. So it's like it just all feeds into itself. It all feeds into it. You don't feel good. Your health. It's like it's not great. Yeah. 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 As a trainer, and you talk about this, probably pressure for you guys more than me. But like it, it was always about like wanting to prove yourself a little bit. And so for, I had a lot of those things where I was like, I need to be able to deadlift three hundred, or else I'm not like a respectable female in this industry. And like I, I just don't care anymore. And I don't think it matters anymore. But I do think that there are a lot of trainers out there who who think it matters and who think that that's like how they can gain respect and. But the, my question would be like, what does it matter for though? Well, I, I mean, I I definitely experienced this. Like, I think also early on, you have a lot of imposter syndrome as a trainer. Or at least I did, and it's like I was like, I need to bench three hundred, squat four hundred, deadlift five hundred. Those are like my benchmarks, and like all my training was geared towards that. And it was like it was sucking the joy out of training. Yeah. It was like I don't want to squat heavy today. Like <laughs> this is gonna be brutal. Like I like I barely got any sleep last night, and so I'd go through these like cycles of like train really hard and then like get pretty strong and then i get hurt banged up or plateau and i have to take it back again and i have to like mentally psych myself up to go back into it again and it's like now i look back at it and i'm like that was ridiculous like what was i even doing like i didn't feel good like nothing was feeling great um but i think like before that it was definitely like ego one and the other one was imposter syndrome just feeling like if i don't do this then i won't be well respected that was, yeah. that was part of it I mean, I feel like um, I don't deal with it as much because the kettlebell people, they don't, they're not into the numbers. But I just felt like I needed to look like, and I, that's kind of what the kind of imposter thing. You felt like I needed to look like I knew what I was talking about. Mm, yeah. But even that was more so because I didn't know what I was talking about. So yeah. I felt like I had to look like it. So that was the push then. But once you get to knowledge piece of it, you care less about it. Exactly. More so yeah. like what's going to keep me consistent. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, that's all it's about. Because the perfect fitness plan could be for anyone. And yeah. they get not consistent with it. It doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. So it's like deadlifting and squatting two, three times a week heavy is not going to keep me consistent. Because at some point, I'm going to be tired, exhausted, and I'm going to be hurting in pain. And I'm going to miss a couple of weeks. Yeah. I, I love working out. Like, I want to work out every day. So, like, that doesn't work for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't like days where I wake up and like, I can't work out today. Like, that... It puts me in a bad mood because it helps me with so much other stuff. Like everything's depending on me working out. So yeah. anything that's prevents me from being consistent with that is not for me. And that's what the big lifts were. Some people are able to do it, yeah. but those people angry all the time. Like, <laughs> all types of stuff you find that you see yeah. with them. It's like, why are you so mad? Like, oh, I deadlift 600 this morning. It's like, oh, you're angry now. Like, it's, not, it's not good. You got to work all day. Like, it's not. I mean, we talk about that all the time. It's like, remove the stress and the expectation and all that and then it makes training fun again it makes the whole process more enjoyable you're going to stick to that process a lot more it's going to be a much more sustainable approach than just putting all this expectation on yourself with it's numbers and all that 100 and it's just like going into anything where like clients like they all when someone starts they always have master plan it's mm -hmm. like oh we're gonna change my diet up start exercising we're gonna and it fails every time because they have so much and they're trying to do so much at once. So like one of my biggest philosophies when people came to me with this stuff is like, all right, well, let's get a few weeks of exercising in first. Let's see how your body responds. And then we can talk about diet. Mm. Because if I have you focusing on exercising and diet, something's going to lack. And right now I don't want anything lacking because we're trying to create change. Yeah. So let's food wise start adding a little more protein, but just keep doing what you're doing. And we'll get to that yeah. because a few things happen when they start exercising. They start, they start to fatigue. They start to realize like 
they haven't been feeding their body what they need. So now mm. they understand, like, I need to, what What does my body need? That's the question. Yeah. yeah. But you, they don't have that question until you start to get them in. So it's yeah. like, don't allow them to approach it with so many, like, different things they need to do. It's just too much. Yeah. Well, I love that because it allows them to actually take the time to listen to their body as opposed to force their body to do something. Exactly. It's a much better approach for everybody. Because you got some people like, I'm going to start dieting and start exercising. That's like the worst idea ever. <laughs> you're going to start adding more movement and you're going to take away food. Mm. You're going to feel horrible and you're not going to know how to respond to that because you don't understand why that's the case because you think you're doing something healthy for yourself. Yeah. Right. While you are, but your body still has to adapt and change to that. So it's like there has to be time in between that. So I never want to go into it with all these things we want to change. Yeah. For one, it's not long term. Like it's like any type of like fat or like diet. Like I hate clients that bring like the keto thing to me. It like drives me crazy. <laughs> it's like because I'm all about like I always say if you can do it the rest of your life, do it. If you can't, then don't do it because it's like, why are we wasting our time on this and get the progress that it's going to get us for the eight weeks that you do it? And when yeah. you stop and you don't do it, you get everything back. Then you want to do another one. It's like, no, like just create a new reality of what is your new norm. Like find something that you can do every day, whether it's like diet wise or exercise wise, something you can, and it's not going to be a conflict in your schedule. It's not going to be a conflict and, and stick to it. Mm. Otherwise, it's like, what's the point of doing it for a short term and stopping? Yeah. I love that. You have, <laughs> such, you have such a patient approach with everything, it seems like. Like, well, you just have a lot of patience. The, it's the long term. Yeah. It's more so like long, and I'm very understanding. Like, I understand life happens. Like, but it's also like, that's why you create the narrative of that expects that. Mm. It's like, no overwhelming. Like, this is something that we're going to be doing forever. Yeah. So it's like, it can take forever because we're going to do it forever. <laughs> like a, a sensei over here. Uh, I feel so inspired right now. <laughs> and like the, the lessons happen themselves along the way without you even really teaching them. It exactly. just happens. Yeah. Exactly. Because everybody has their own life, things that they're doing. So yeah. they adjust as they need to adjust. So no reason to create an impossible narrative, an impossible schedule of something that they're not going to be able to commit to. Yeah. It's just like me with like certain things that's not fitness related. May never be. It probably will never be a <laughs> reality for me because everything's so based on my health and me progressing as an adult, and everything is me getting better. That that's mostly what I focus on. I love though that how you just put that because it definitely. I think a lot of trainers need to hear that because we put such a focus on fitness as like the top priority, but you have to ask yourself like. Okay, are there things that a professor at MIT thinks is a priority that you are lacking in? Like, I don't read an hour every day. I know I should. I would love to. I think that that's something that's important, but I I don't because I don't put enough value behind it. And like, that is my choice. And there's going to be people who decide that that's more important to them than working out for an hour. And like, that's your choice. And I love that you just put that out there because I think a lot of trainers think if you don't prioritize fitness, that's just... You're like you're lazy, yeah, and you're, motivated, yeah, and all that, yeah. yeah. And there's part of me that like everyone should have some form of exercise, yeah. but it's not always going to be what we want it to be for them. They may not have time to work out an hour for you. Their fitness may be the hour they play with their kids or the hour they're walking, yeah. and yeah. it has to be fine. You, ha we don't have to be fine with it because it's not our choice and it's not our life. They have to be fine with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot, a lot of problem is that people aren't fine with that, and they're trying and they make excuses and they try to find ways. But still, they're 
let them find their way. You can't force them to figure that out. Yeah. Like you can give recommendations on ways they should do X, Y, and Z. But at the end of the day, if it doesn't look like it's appealing and it works for them, then they're not going to do it. Yeah. yeah. And it's so much better for that people to figure it out that way because then they're able to stick with it. Yeah. Just keep going from there. We were kind of talking about what we'll, you know, brainstorming what we're going to talk with you about. And one of the episodes we did a few weeks ago, we talked about reasonable nutrition habits because this whole podcast is kind of about like providing tangible, reasonable approaches to your fitness regimen so that it doesn't feel so extreme, so overwhelming. And one of them that we talked about with nutrition is just kind of like being cool with repeating the same meals Mm. over and over again, because it just makes it takes the decision-making piece out of it. It just makes everything a little simpler. And you are the picture-perfect version <laughs> of that. Um, we, we know that you eat your steak every day. You have your oatmeal and kiwi every day. Like, Tell us about how you've sort of developed some of those habits over time. For that reason, exactly. Because I know what it, what it does for me, and I know like the macros of it. Like, and it just makes sense to do that than to try to add different things and have to worry about, oh, what's this? What's, how much calorie? It makes no sense. I'd rather just eat the same thing every single day because I know what it is. I know what it's doing. And I know why I'm eating it. Mm-hmm. And it's, But obviously, nobody wants to eat that way. The average <laughs> the average person don't want to eat that way. It's, it will drive them crazy. They don't take interest in it. So diet is like one of the things I don't like. I don't talk about much on my page at all. Yeah. Almost like never. Or just your stories here and there. Nothing. I just put like what I eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's such a, I feel like it's such a sensitive topic and it's so different for everybody. Everybody has a different reality. Obviously, like I have a like straight and narrow way of how I see food. It's either like bad for me or it's good for me. Mm. Obviously, I try to do more of this than that. <laughs> so it's like I try to put everything into that. So, but you can't preach that to people because. I didn't have the knowledge of what food and how to eat until like a few years ago. So like I know the average everyday person don't have because they don't have that interest. So like they used to being able to go to the grocery store, grab frozen stuff and being okay with it. Mm-hmm. Now you're just telling them, oh, that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> but that's all they know. Like one, that's all they know. They may be all they can afford. That may be all in their budget. That's like, so how can you, so it's tough to like really like preach down that road. So I like try to stay away from it. Yeah. But I, I am like very, straight and narrow with when it comes to food well i think it's like we we feel the same way about nutrition we don't really talk about it much because i think it's so individualized and like you said like there's a lot of like elitism in terms of like oh you have to buy everything organic and like there's you know there's so much stuff that isn't taken into account when people are just spewing out nutrition information but i i like that you just kind of say like this is what works for me Mm -hmm. and i do think it's it's helpful like it was helpful for us to see like okay, we're not that out there for having the same lunch every day, the same dinner pretty much every day. Like we kind of do the same things, but it really is a helpful thing for people to see that it is okay to do that because I think people think they need so much variety and because that's another thing that's always talked about is like you have to eat the rainbow and you have to have all these different (laughs) vegetables and fruits and everything and it can feel very overwhelming. Like how can I possibly get all of these things into one day? And it's like, or you can just kind of like find your favorite vegetable, find your favorite fruit. It really is okay to just stick with the same things because it's working for you. It's what makes you feel good in your body. Like it's it's okay. The biggest thing with food is I tell people when they they have they don't think they're eating properly. I don't think they eat enough or what they're eating is not healthy. I just like pay attention to how your body feels. Mm. You're always tired. You're always drained. You always feel sick. You always like. All right, that has a direct correlation to what you're eating. Mm. So I, now that's when I'm like giving 
different options on stuff to add. I try not to take stuff away, like the obvious stuff. It's like the obvious stuff you know it's not good for your body and you eat so much of it. Like, let's try to cut down on it like, and start to add the stuff that makes you feel better. Mm. And eventually people, if they're training and if they're in it and they start to have like goals they didn't have for training and now they're like more strict about their food. Yeah. yeah. Like they start to like, all right, I need to eat this way because this X, Y, and Z. When you're so straight and narrow and you're always giving your body what it needs, it's okay to have some stuff that you want sometimes. Yeah. Because it's, it's it's valid. It's like it's when you're having it all the time. It's like, how does it even feel like a treat? You eat it every day. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I understand people are like, oh, this is a treat for my body. I was like, but you had it yesterday. Like, <laughs> it should feel special from time to time to eat a certain way because you've been eating what your what your body needs all the time, mm-hmm. and that's how I do it myself. Like I eat what my body needs all the time. I try to because I'm very performance wise. Like I need to perform great on all levels, whether it's like paying attention to my clients or being. I need to be on top of my game, so I need to eat what's going to allow me to do that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's like, what am I eating it for? If it's going to hurt that, then I'm not doing it. <laughs> so it's like I need to be on top of so. I'm, that's what I do. So a lot of people, if you looked at it from that approach, I know people don't like the like food is fuel thing, but like, what do you think you eat for? <laughs> <laughs> like you don't just eat to like nothing. Like, no, yeah. that's the reason why the approach of like, you don't need as much carbs if you're not that active mm-hmm. because you're not moving. You don't need as many calories. You're not, you don't need moving as much. That's why when people move more, they can eat more. So it is kind of fuel then, but like people don't like it to sound that way. And I know it sounds bad, but like it's fuel for your body, like and your body responds to what you put in it. So if you put things that your body can't use for whatever reason, you're going to feel junky. Like you're not going to feel great. You always feel tired, but some people feel like they think they're supposed to feel that way. It sounds like you have a very similar mindset to Jason around just like it's very straightforward when it comes to food. And for me, I've had like disordered eating in the past. And like, so there's been a lot of more emotion that Mm -hmm. comes along with food. So for me, I think hearing like, it's just, just, it's simple. Like just either don't eat it or eat it. Like it already brings up some like, you know, fear around like, oh, what would you think about me if you knew that I had a piece (laughs) of chocolate every night? Like, you know, it just like, and I know that that's not what you're saying, but it's, it's just nice to hear. It's nice to hear all the different perspectives and ways that people approach it because there are a lot of people like you two who are just like, yeah, no, this is very simple for me. Like, this is what feels good for me. So this is what I'm going to eat. And this doesn't feel good for me. So I'm not going to eat it. And then there's people who have so much more emotional baggage that comes along with food that that approach almost feels like impossible to achieve. And so it's just good to have all the all the different perspectives. But you two sound very, very similar <laughs> on that level. <laughs> and that's why I try to stay away from it because you never know what someone is dealing with when it comes to that Yeah, in food. So you just try not to be too, like, give your ways and how you approach it. But don't say, this is what you should do. Yeah. This is, like, for what? Like, somebody may be dealing with something way deeper than your understanding on the surface of things. So it's just like, yeah. just stay away from it. And I like how you always liken it to relate it back to performance in the gym and stuff like that, because it's not like tied to weight loss or fat loss. It's just like, if you eat this or if you drink a lot the night before training session, like it, the training session probably won't go well. And like, if you train consistently, 
your body kind of sends you these natural cues. And like everything happens really organically. You're not like restricting yourself or depriving yourself. You're making this conscious decision like, oh, if I want to enhance this area of my performance, like naturally I want to consume things in this manner kind of thing. 100%. Yeah. But it yeah. translates to so much more just in like life. If like you have a test, you study for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you don't just show up and like, you know, so it's, it's the same approach where you have fitness or whatever it is you're doing is like it either works for you or not. And that's why I'm big on like the no drinking thing. Because while there may be a night where I want to drink, say I want to do like a Saturday something, I'm always thinking about the Sunday and the Monday that I'm going to want to train because I'm going to want to train because that's what I do. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be slacking in my trading. Yeah. So that means more to me than that small satisfaction of drinking mm-hmm. that I was going to get if I got any. Yeah, so it's yeah. like, I'm not doing it. Yeah. And then like, what people are like, why don't you just have a sip? It's like, for what? Yeah. I'm not doing it to like feel it. Then there's no point. Yeah. yeah and I'm yeah. not going to do it to feel it because I need to be conscious and available to train the next couple of days. So it's like, I'm not doing it for that reason. Yeah. So everything for me falls back into that. All right. We'll wrap it up with this. You have three words that kind of comprise your brand, integrity, attitude, hustle. I think that's your company name even. Yeah. <laughs> Why those three words? Why are they important to you? Um, Just more so, I feel like what an individual should have, like any company, any business, it should have. Like you, those should drive you to be better, mm-hmm. especially the integrity piece of it. Nobody wants to do business with anybody that doesn't have integrity as far as... and. It'll, just the sad part not a ton of people <laughs> and a lot of ton of companies have integrity yeah, and, yeah i mean it's evident and attitude is just being more so just like passionate about what you're doing and having purpose and determination and the hustle is just continuous work i think but i also think that's like one of my like downsides of what i do like i'm all hustle mm. yeah, it's tough for me to relax like i love but that's because i love what i do yeah I think in certain industries, like you need breaks from it, but I don't really ever think I need a break from anything I do because yeah. I'm so excited to do it all the time. Yeah, I think we were very similar in that regard where hustle has become like demonized like almost. Hustle culture. Is yeah, like, it is. Yeah. But I also think is 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 so sensitive to talk about in the sense of when you put that message out there, there's a lot of people out there that needs rest, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of people that don't that may hear that message and be like, that haven't been doing enough yeah. and their hustle coach, the people that are saying, oh, you, you need to take a break. You're telling somebody to take a break that haven't done anything. <laughs> like, what do you need a, what do you need a break from? That's, that's why it's like, it's, when you put these messages out there, you have to understand like the people that are listening to it because a lot of people may feel like they need a break, but they may need a break because they haven't done anything in the sense of like they are worrying themselves to death trying to figure out what's next. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like I don't need a break for anything. I think I made a post about that recently. It was like I'm I'm working so hard now because of where I'm trying to get to. Mm-hmm. Like all the time and I know where I'm going. Like I I have direction now. When I had no direction and when I wasn't doing anything, that was my break. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to figure out what was next. Like I right. know what I want to do now. I'm not stopping yeah. until I get there. What's the point? It's like I'm slowing my route to the... It's like, no, I'm trying to get... I know where I'm going. I'm going to stay on path. I don't have to be going fast, but I'm going to be going. Yeah. Like, I don't need a break. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so it's like always understand, like, there's two sides of it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the, the negativity around hustle culture is because 
it's like the people who are showing their grind for the sake of showing their grind and trying to get clout for yeah, how hard they yeah, work. I'm up but, at 5 a.m. What are you doing? Yeah, like, it's make like, people feel, feel bad, right? Exactly. Yeah. Like, that's, there's no point in doing yeah, that. There's, there's, but hustling because you love what you're doing, hustling because you have a place you want to get to and you want to get there, like, that, we think there's nothing wrong with there's that. There's nothing wrong with it. But, and that's, nobody, I don't. I hate when people do that. Like, be up at... My schedule doesn't require me to be up there. So why would I be up there early? I'm going to hustle from nine to five. Like, yeah, yeah. like it's just ridiculous. It's just... Pe- again, it's like the people chasing clout. People want to get popular. Yeah. But it's like, again, just figure out what works for you. You may not need a break, so don't listen to people that tell you you need a break. You yeah. may need to keep going. Because that's the worst thing in the world to tell people if they're... Because you, when you're... When you have no direction, you do feel lost and you feel exhausted. So you may think you need a break. Mm. But in actuality, you're still just looking for what's next for you. And when you find it, you won't need a break from it because it's, be- it's what you've been searching for. And now you want to pursue it. Yeah. You need a break from it. But when you're lost and you're trying to figure that out, like that's exhausting. Like that's one of the most stressful places to be in and not know what's next. Yeah. Totally. But once you know, it's like, I'm. I'm doing it. <laughs> so tell tell our listeners where they can follow you, how they can support you. Um, on Instagram, TikTok, at every goddamn Dre. My YouTube is Adro Maze. My website now is Kettlebell Functional Training, and you can find me there. All right. <laughs> Why'd you say now? Because I switched it. It was more so. It was more so on my brand. It was like Integrity Idaho Two Hustle. Okay. But now it's just kettlebell functional okay, training. Yeah. Well, thank you so, so much for doing <laughs> no this problem. with us. We really appreciate it. You know, we don't get to hear your voice on no, your Instagram oh, yeah. page. So this has been a special treat for us and I'm sure for our listeners. So thank you again. Now for our key takeaways and some fun behind the scenes insights into today's episode. What a great episode. Oh, uh, so much fun. We've been I mean, we've been connecting with uh, Dre for quite a long time. We've been trying to meet up here and there. And it's like, it was basically us. Like our kids were always getting sick and like (laughs) something would always happen on our end. But we're so glad we finally were able to meet up. And uh, Dre actually came up to New Hampshire, took an Uber all the way up. So uh, we wanted to make the most of his trip. So after the podcast, we actually had a little steak grilling session. Dre's really known for his cast iron steaks. And I've been wanting to know what his secret process was and so he shared some insights with uh steak so we actually went to a local butcher got some good ribeyes and uh yeah tossed them on the cast iron and he cooked them for us and it was unreal it was amazing and we had none of the ingredients he actually yeah. wanted <laughs> he's like do you have some basic stuff like avocado oil and we're like uh we have just olive, olive oil, oil. <laughs> <laughs> that's about it um and oh yeah you gave him some cloves of garlic and he was like oh thanks and then he was about he was about to open them. And they were just they old. were old. I was like, oh my god, this is could not be more embarrassing. Like we were, <laughs> we're like, so we have pathetic. minced garlic in a little bottle. And he's like, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> but he may do. It was awesome anyway. Um, and it's always cool when you see people online and you kind of have a feel for their personality and their vibe and all that. But you know, sometimes it doesn't actually really match up. Yeah. And with Dre, it really matched up. We vibe really well right off the bat and we just had a lot of fun. And I hope the podcast kind of shows that we had a lot of chemistry and yeah, well, I think we really just respect what each other do and it was great. Yeah. I, I think he reached out to us. I mean, definitely back when we were still running the gym and he yeah. was like, are you guys in Boston? And we were like, yeah, let's meet up. Like we immediately wanted to meet up and then 
it took like it was probably like two years <laughs> a later years i mean yeah the pandemic happened <laughs> that so. it finally happened but it was it was so much fun and yeah we really did connect right off the bat and it was really fun to be able to do the podcast but then also yeah make some stakes we went downstairs for a lift and yeah. he kind of put us through some of the stuff that he talked about in the episode which was really really fun filmed some content then you ended up he <laughs> literally we're in kind of the middle of nowhere new hampshire at this point <laughs> so he couldn't get an uber home so jason <laughs> ended up driving him back to the seaport which was probably fun yeah yeah we, we, we had some great connections and uh we were already talking about part two of the episode of like <laughs> diving into some other concepts so um i won't spoil that here but it, it was really fun and yeah we had a great day together um i think that's another pro of in-person meetings right because yeah. we can have more of a lasting connection beyond just the podcast itself so you know um yeah hopefully we can have more and more in-person interviews yeah i mean just it, we're we're in beautiful new hampshire beautiful who doesn't want to come out here <laughs> All right, so let's each share one of our key takeaways from the episode. I will I will start because I really got excited about this part where he was chatting about chatting with us about loaded mobility and how he incorporates that into his in-person training session specifically because as a personal trainer, you get an hour, typically, sometimes a half hour, yeah. with your client one-on-one, -on -one, and they're paying a lot of money for that hour. Mm -hmm. It is not cheap. And when you're a trainer, you are always a little bit panicked about wanting to make sure that you're giving as much value as you can in that hour. But you also know people need to work on mobility. People need to work on stability. Like there's all these, there's this list that you have to go through to make sure that you're providing a lot of valuable training. But the person on the other end is sometimes like, why am I not sweating yet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you have to balance that. And I love how he introduces mobility right off the bat with a weight on your hand, in your hands, mm -hmm. just so that it's like, the person is like, I'm sweating, which is mainly what they're looking for. And Dre is looking at, okay, is their hip mobility improving? Is their ankle mobility improving? Are they getting more stable on their feet? Like he's assessing all of those things as they're sweating and <laughs> working toward better mobility. It was so ingenious. And I think like when we first started, we were so hesitant to quote unquote break the rules. Yeah. Like we would go through certifications and workshops and we would be confined in the systems that we would learn from. And it wasn't until probably like seven or eight years into the industry when we started to get more comfortable, when we started to kind of lose a bit of that like imposter syndrome that we were feeling. And then we can kind of like kind of break through and create our own systems and our own methodologies and all that. But Dre, I feel like he like just intuitively has learned to break all the rules and do things that just make sense logistically. And loaded mobilities, it just makes so much sense, especially within the confines of a one-hour training session. Like personal trainers, you know, you do have a one-hour training session, but in the back of the personal trainer's mind, at around 50 minutes in, they're already starting to think about how to wind down the session and transition to the next session. Because, you know, a good personal trainer, they're going to have back to back to back to back to back hours booked. And if they're even a few minutes behind, that has this sort of like trickle effect where the last session is suddenly like 30 minutes late and you just can't have that. And so loaded mobility makes that initial warm up section just so much more efficient and also the way he described that he was doing it, a lot of times more effective. You're there in person. You're able to coach them through the movement. You're able to get the joints and muscles moving in the right directions. And I thought it was just such a smart way to go about uh, training someone. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And I really think that people who are paying for a full hour, like it's typically, I mean, at Equinox, it's probably 150 bucks. I think you said an hour. Like you really do want to feel like you're getting 
every ounce of that $150. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, for us, we will probably start to include some more loaded mobility work into our RISE program, into our personal programs, just to see like how things feel and how things progress and all that. Um, I will say we probably won't like, it's not like we're going to suddenly do away with all unloaded mobility. Like we still love unloaded mobility exercises because throughout the majority of people's day, they're in unloaded but more static positions. And we want to also have the ability to introduce less static positions and also in an unloaded format to kind of ease the lifter into things. So I think our sort of like approach moving forward might be more like do some breathing, do some unloaded mobility, and then progress into loaded mobility. Because, you know, we're not going to be seeing people in person. We don't have the time constraints We're also not going to be able to coach them in person. So we need to take that into account. And so basically all this to say, we're not just going to toss away unloaded (laughs) mobility because of this, um, but we do now have more emphasis and more priority with loaded mobility. Yeah, it's like an appreciation for the system that he has. And then I think that is just goes to show that we've been doing this for a while that we're not going to just all of a sudden like we that's what we used to do it was like we went to a certification (laughs) or we talked to a mentor and then we just threw out everything that we already knew and tried to like completely switch it up and so now it's like oh this is really cool i really like the way he's doing this i want to take inspiration from this and i want to figure out how we can incorporate what he's doing into our setting which is different than his setting right and we're going to include some loaded mobility because that's he inspired us we loved it when we did it with him Mm -hmm. And then we're also going to be taking into account, we're not going to be able to see these people doing it. So maybe not starting with things that are like holding the kettlebell over their head while they're trying to improve their mobility, because that is a more, like there's more risk. Yeah, it's more complex, more risk. So it's like, instead, maybe we can do something where they're holding it close to their butt, holding the weight close to their body, Mm. and then doing a mobility drill. Or like we, we always use the one where we put the kettlebell on their knee and do an ankle mobility drill. So something like that, where the kettlebell is almost like, a part of your body mm. instead of away from your body where there's more risk. Yeah, yeah. Like the things that you're going to see on his page are where the weight is very far away from your center of mass. Like the way we might start to introduce this to our RISE members, like I'm sure a lot of RISE members are wondering about it, is that we'll start with the weight closer in, yeah. like you mentioned. So like uh, squat prying with a kettlebell is one way to do it. You don't have to have the weight overhead at first. And so we'll start to experiment with this stuff and see how it feels. And yeah. I think it's going to be uh, well-received because yeah. it, it felt really good when we went through it. It felt so good. It was really fun to get down there and like have him just immediately put into practice what he had just talked about. And we started with, um, I think we started with goblet, right? And we did little like split stance Mopes. Like we were just kind of like going yeah. up and down in the split stance position. And then we turned that into a split stance jump without the weight. And like it just kind of flowed right into the workout so seamlessly. It was yeah. really great. We kind of have like two ways that we sort of vet like trainers that we see online. And one is how they move, like not how much weight they lift or how much muscle they have, but like how fluidly and smoothly they move. And Dre is definitely a smooth mover and he just, uh, He definitely owns all the skills in his repertoire. And if the trainer has had any sort of in-person training experience, because that really matters, the ability to communicate and coach with people besides just yourself and your body and that sort of N equals one study, right? Like you need to be able to have a diverse background of training experience in order to really deliver content and training programs in the most comprehensive way possible. Yeah, I loved how he talked about like he has 
high level skills like he has the ability to do them so why wouldn't he show them mm -hmm. and so a lot of the stuff that he puts out there is like higher level stuff more advanced stuff but he's not only doing that and he has been working with people in real life to know that there's not he doesn't have this expectation of everyone else that they should also be able to do this he's like there are people out there who are advanced and they want to see this this stuff and they yeah. want to be challenged and they want to find ways to do it but every once in a while he posts just a goblet squat or you know things that are a little bit more simple because he does know that that's also not only important but it's also going to help people to then be able to achieve some of those more advanced skills yeah like one thing that really impressed me was on the spot as he was going through these progressions he would show us more advanced drill we would try it out and then he'd say oh and if someone didn't have the t-spine mobility or the shoulder mobility i'd have them drop down to the rack position or drop down to a suitcase position and uh, he definitely had a very clear system and a method to his whole uh madness <laughs> <laughs> so my key takeaway was actually something that we talked about in our pet peeves episode and it was kind of like a side topic that ended up like <laughs> becoming a bigger part of the episode which is basically our dislike for other professionals in different niches and sectors of the fitness industry putting other trainers and fitness professionals down instead of either staying in your own lane or bringing other people up. Yeah. And our whole thing was that, you know, we're all in this to hopefully to help people to send, put out our message out there and just elevate the industry as a whole. Why are people putting other people down when they could be spending all that time putting out their own content, putting out their own views, putting out their own values, putting out their own style and system. But instead, a lot of people are feeling either insecure or feeling ego-driven, and they're just bashing other systems. Yeah. And then it just leads to misinformation, leads to confusion for people. It's like, ultimately, you're not actually helping people. And like people are visiting your page, they want to see your stuff, and if all they're seeing is just negativity and bashing, like that's not helping them. Yeah. Right. It's like that's not clearing anything up and it's just fueling drama for no reason. And so uh, Dre had lots of thoughts on this matter. I thought it was it was very insightful and we were so very much on the same page that we kind of made it a bigger part of the episode <laughs> than we even anticipated. But I love the dialogue there. Yeah. And even though we were definitely <laughs> kind of getting in the like, pet peeve like frustration around that side of things even after the podcast we were chatting about it more because it really is something that is just so prevalent especially for us being in the industry um but we were also all feeling some empathy for the people who are doing that too because there is this level of like you can tell that they're feeling insecure or that they're not feeling like their information is being heard or being seen and so the way that they can get people to listen to them is by being negative and putting other people down and it's like we like we don't agree with using that methodology, but we have a level of understanding of why that has been happening because it can be hard to get your your actual like good information out there. Yeah, and as soon as you start to feel jaded about that fact, like yeah, you start to lean into things that maybe are controversial, which tend to create a little bit more engagement, uh, at least in the short term. And we can totally see why people might kind of lean towards that route initially, but. Um, we wanted to put out that message out there to just be like, let's all just rise above a rising tide, lifts all ships, yeah. and let's, you know, let's be more helpful for everyone yeah. involved. Yeah, I agree. I mean, honestly, when I think about this podcast, like, we're bringing people on who have programs that technically 
are competing with our programs, yeah. right? Or technically they have products that are very similar to our products. And like, it would be really easy for us to be like, oh, we don't want to have them on because what if somebody leaves Rise and goes, joins their program? But for us, it's like, that's okay. Yeah. And we talked about that with Dre a little bit too. Like, it's okay that somebody might want to go try something else out and then figure out what actually is the best fit for them because we want people to figure out what works for them. That's why we have this podcast. It's about finding what is reasonable, what is manageable, what is sustainable for you as an individual, not what somebody online tells you is supposed to be what works best for yeah. you. <laughs> and so he talked about that in our previous episode about how somebody commented, to her like you don't stand for anything like you're not for keto you're not for paleo and she's like i stand for individualization and i thought that was a perfect way of putting it is like i stand for you doing what works for you mm. and i think that there are a lot of professionals out there who are secure enough in knowing that i have something valuable to offer and i want people to try it out but i also know that i'm not going to be for everyone and i hope that you find something that is for you yeah it's the whole like abundance for scarcity mindset yeah. right there are just a lot of people out there who are looking to improve their health and fitness. And there's plenty of people for everyone involved. And so we just think that the more people are aware of good health and strength and conditioning and all these sorts of principles that we continue to talk about, uh, the better. So yeah. um, that's our win. Yeah. All right. So those are some of our key takeaways, some of our behind the scenes looks at our hangout with Dre after the podcast. It was just so much fun. And moving forward, we're actually considering making this section not just key takeaways, but also a little bit of a like a mailbag Q&A type of section where you can ask us questions either directly related to sort of the topics that we've been covering or just random questions. We're kind of going to figure it out as we go. But Keep an eye out for our Reasonably Fit Pod Instagram account stories because we'll put up question boxes there and then we may just answer some of the, the questions that we get in this section um, just to make sure that we're continuing to give you valuable content that you are looking for. And Yeah, Q&A is part of our podcasting route. So yeah. we, we, we sometimes miss that sort of like rapid fire question and answer segment. So um, yeah, I think that'll be a nice little way to close out the episode. Yeah, we thought about maybe we could even make like a... Um, What's it called? Like a Google... Um, a Google voice number? Google voice number. Have people call in their a questions. Q&A. Yeah. Maybe. There's so many, so many, so many potential options. I know. So for now, we'll start with a simple Instagram Q&A box. So make sure you follow us at ReasonablyFitPod on Instagram. We always post a picture from the episode so that you can comment on that specific episode. Let us know your thoughts. Let us know your feedback on that episode. Hopefully start to follow the people that we've been featuring because they are just... Fantastic. Amazing people. Um, so, yeah. We've got a lot, a lot of great interviews lined up. Lauren's been just planning up the wazoo, oh, and man. it's been great. We yeah. have a really long list, and at the very end of the list is Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> so, eventually, <laughs> you'll know we've made it. Yeah. <laughs> when that's, Tom when we'll, Brady. that's when the podcast will end. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be our final episode. I don't know if you could handle that. Being a, not a Patriots that's fan, true. that would be that's tough. True. You'd have to get, like, whoever you're... We'll get Jeter. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. Maybe Johnny Damon. Then he could be Yankees-Red Sox combo. I mean, we can't go from Brady to, to, to Johnny Damon. I mean, no disrespect to Johnny Damon, but... Johnny Damon's never coming on our podcast now. Now he's so offended. He's never going to... Oh, you ruined it. You ruined it. All right. Anyway, I believe that is all we have for you today. Make sure that you go ahead and leave a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast so that we can keep this thing going, keep getting the word out there about all these amazing guests that we're going to be having on the show. And until next time, sweat out, happiness in. Woo.